0: Well, in the 1950s and 60s, manufacturers around the world found themselves faced with a double-edged sword. On the one hand, the global economy had opened up and these companies could from one factory manufacture one product and distribute it to the whole world. Their customer base had exploded. The opportunity for revenue and increased sales was like nothing that had ever been seen before, but at the same time, these companies were faced with a challenge because they, as they manufactured products like radios and other electronic goods, they were faced with the issue as to how their customers would know how to work this device. The simple on-off switch became a problem for manufacturers because the English words on and off only meant something in one customer base in the world. If you spoke English, that was helpful. If you spoke Mandarin, it was useless. If you spoke French, German, Spanish, Portuguese, these words meant nothing to you and so manufacturers had a problem. The button that was needed for their device to be useful was in another language. The device was inaccessible to people because the on-off switch manufactured on the same production line was always produced in English. So there was a big problem. These devices were useless unless you could speak the language to understand them. And then in the 1970s, a group called the International Electrotechnical Commission, the IEC, was tasked to come up with a solution to come up with a way, a universal language, so that everybody could look at the on-off switch and understand what they were looking at. And what they came up with was an image that I think you'll recognise. It's the image of the on-off button. It's on our screens now. You know this symbol You've seen it many times in your life, probably for those of you online, you press this symbol to turn on your device to be a part of our service today. The line and the circle, this is the international symbol for the power on, off button. The circle means off, the line means on. If you look at a switch with these separated, it means that it is off and absolutely off when you switch it to one side, and it is on and absolutely on when you switch it to the line. When you see a symbol like this, what it actually means is standby. You can turn it on and off, but it's not the ultimate power source. You're going to need to go somewhere else to actually switch this device off. This is the power on off, but it's a standby symbol. And this symbol solved all of the issues that manufacturers were facing around the world. Because across culture, Language, religion, age, and economic differences, this symbol is universally recognized and understood to mean that this is the button to turn your device on and off. Press this, and this device becomes helpful and useful to you. You see it many times a day. You don't think about it, you don't analyze it. It's just a simple symbol, but it has become synonymous with the on off button of an electronic device. This is the power of a symbol. A simple symbol communicates to us without words, without dialogue, without all sorts of other information, and it tells us what we need to know. A symbol can cross cultural, language, religious barriers, age, demographics, economic status. A symbol has an ability to communicate with you no matter who you are. For those of you who drove here today in this room, you interacted with symbols all of the way here whether they be road signs, signs on the road itself, uh, buttons on the dashboard of your car. You interacted with dozens of symbols on your way here today. You didn't think about it, but they spoke to you. They informed you and they helped you as you came here. And as I said earlier, every person who turned on a device to be a part of our stream today most likely interacted with this power symbol. This is the power of symbols. So I've been wondering, What's the symbol for Christian faith? What's the symbol for Christian faith? Well, many of us would answer the cross. And I think you're probably right. The world over, the cross is the symbol for the Christian faith. If you want to mark yourself as a church, you put a cross on the top of your steeple and people will know, oh, this is a church. That's what this building is. We have a big cross hanging on the side of our room. Here, people might get a tattoo of a cross to mark themselves as followers of Jesus. You might wear jewellery that is shaped in the, in the symbol of the cross. The death of, the death of Jesus carries a symbol It's the cross and the church, the followers of Jesus, have aligned themselves with this symbol. But on this Easter Sunday, on this Resurrection Sunday, I wonder, what is the symbol of the resurrection? What is the symbol of the resurrection of Jesus? It's not quite so easy to answer. I'm searching for ideas. I'm trying to... There should be a symbol for the resurrection, surely. Let's listen to Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15 with that question. What is the symbol of the resurrection? Because as he lays out what the gospel is, as he lays out who Jesus is, as he lays out what's most important, I want us to notice what he says about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 13, Paul says, If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep or, or have passed away in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. In other words, what Paul says is it all hangs On the resurrection. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus. The death matters. The cross matters. It's important. You cannot have a resurrection unless you have a death. There needs to be a death of Jesus. But the death itself means nothing unless there's a resurrection. The death of Jesus means nothing. It's just a sad historical event like the deaths of billions of others throughout human history. But the resurrection is what changes everything. And Paul is saying that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then all of this, everything that we're doing, everything that Paul's writing, everything that you and I are doing right now, it's irrelevant. It means nothing. It has no purpose. It has no value. And we should be most pitied of all people on earth because we believe in a fake. We follow a false hope. It means nothing. And even worse than that, we make God out to be a liar. We say something about him that simply is not true. Out of all of the earth, we should be most pitied, Paul says. If the resurrection did not take place, then all of this is irrelevant. But if this impossible story happens, everything matters. Everything changes on the resurrection. If this did take place, then nothing else in your life compares to what we're doing right now. Nothing matches the importance of what we're speaking about right now, of faith, of the work of Jesus in your life. The resurrection is what it all hangs on, Paul says. Everything comes back to the resurrection. And so it is a big, big deal. Christian faith is not a faith about death, like you may think from the image of the cross that goes around everywhere. It is, in fact, a faith about life and life in abundance in Jesus Christ. We need a symbol for the resurrection. We need a symbol for the resurrection. When Paul wrote these words, it was easy for him. He he said a little bit earlier in this chapter in verse 5 and 6 that just go talk to the people who met with Jesus There's about 500 of them. You can go talk to them. You can ask them. They can tell you their testimony. They will testify for themselves that they met Jesus. He appeared to them. He's alive. He's walking. He's moving with us. Just ask me, Paul says. I met him. I saw him along the road to Damascus and my life was changed. Just go talk to somebody and you will know that Jesus is alive. But it's not quite so simple for us Some 2,000 years later, this generation has passed. We can't just interview them and check with them and cross-check their story. We need a symbol of the resurrection, a symbol which crosses language, which crosses culture, which crosses religious barriers, economic barriers, age differences that speaks to anyone, anywhere, at any time. We need a symbol for the resurrection, a symbol so powerful that whoever interacts with it would know, would get the chance to witness and understand for themselves and become aware of this power of the resurrection of Jesus because it changes everything. It's an impossible story made true, seen and realised in him. And they would have the chance to step into this experience, to experience His power for themselves, the hope of the resurrection of Jesus in their lives. We need a symbol for the resurrection. So what might this symbol be? Well, what's interesting to note and to consider is the words that Jesus used to describe the lives that his followers would live as they followed him to describe to his disciples what it's going to look like if you do this, what it's going to take, what it's going to mean if you actually choose to follow me and be made in my ways and be formed like me. Jesus actually spoke at length about what life now would look like for the followers who sought after him. In Matthew 28, in Jesus' final words to his disciples, after his death and his resurrection, he sought kind of final commissioning to them. He said them to go and and to follow in his ways, to imitate him, to replicate all that he has shown his disciples and to include others, to invite them onto the journey, that others would be like him and that they would teach and guide and, and show others what it looked like to be Jesus. The call to his disciples in this moment is to embody him, to be like him, to be his presence in this world and knowing that Jesus would be with them to the end of their days. In John 14, Jesus says, but I'm not sending you out on your own. I'm not leaving you to do this like an act of good moral or goodwill that you're gonna have to find the strength within you to do it in your own ability. He says, no, I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. This Spirit will speak to you, will guide you, will show you my ways. He will remind you of all that I have said so that you don't have to do this in your own strength, but you can rely on the Spirit I give you, my Spirit, to strengthen and lead you. And just before this in John 13, Jesus says to his disciples, People will know me by how you love one another. I will be seen in this world by the love my disciples show to each other, by the love my followers hold for each other, by the ways that they treat each other, by the ways that they care for one another, by their forgiveness, their grace, their empathy towards each other. The world will know me by how my disciples behave. And then there's a parable in Matthew 25 where Jesus tells about the sheep and the goats. And to the sheep, the ones who are seen to be faithful and honouring and seeking of God and his ways. Those that replicate Jesus' character and nature in this world. Jesus says to them that every act of kindness, every act of compassion, of generosity, of love done in the pursuit of me is like you did it for me. Every time you cared for the least of these, you cared for me. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you embodied me in this world, I was seen. When you acted in love and in compassion, I was noticed, I was felt, I was experienced, I was seen, I was understood. When you cared for the least of these, you cared for me. When you stepped into my image and followed in my ways, you stepped into my footsteps, you became my disciples. These are the calls of Jesus towards his followers. This is the kind of life he calls his church to step into. Because you see, Jesus did not appear in resurrected form once or twice and then that was the ultimate plan and then he ceased to appear. Instead, the point of the resurrection is that Jesus would appear in this world each and every day. That he would be seen in this world every day. That he would not appear once and then never again, but he would appear in resurrected form through those who seek to call on his name. Through those who follow him through those who embody Him in this world, that we would be the form of Jesus in this world. Our lives are to be the symbol of the resurrection. Our lives are to be the ones that show and reveal this impossible story and not just speak of it, but allow it to be felt, to be sensed, to be experienced. That the world would be on the receiving end of this resurrection hope, of this resurrection truth when they come into contact with the lives of the followers of Jesus. That we are to be living, breathing experiences which speak to this truth. Feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, caring for the sick, offering homes for the homeless, hospitality to those that are broken. We are the living symbol of the resurrection that is intended to cross language, culture, religious boundaries, economic boundaries, age divides, whatever it may be, the followers of Jesus, his church, you and I, friends, we are called. Our lives are shaped to be the symbol of the resurrection that would be noticed and revealed and understood quickly and easily, no matter the context that when love is experienced and when love is given in the name of Jesus, it would speak and speak powerfully. This is what Jesus always intended. You see, the symbol of the resurrection, it's not just something you can wear around your neck. It's not just a trophy that you can hold. It's not just an image that you can place on the steeple of your building that says, hey, everybody, this is truth. It's more than a phrase, a creed, a declaration of faith, or a religious practice. These are easy things to do. These are simple. These cost me nothing. They don't speak anything profound, actually. They're just an empty symbol, but the symbol of the resurrection, the resurrection that changes all things is one that works on me, that changes me. It's not a simple outside of me object. It's an inside transformation that takes place, that grabs hold of me. The symbol of the resurrection is an all of life, all encompassing, overwhelming experience of a God who seeks us out who loves us profoundly, who chases after us and moulds us into his ways to become his form, his character, his nature in this world. The symbol of the resurrection is a life changed and made whole in Jesus. And as I choose to die to myself, allow myself to go through the same kind of death that Jesus went through and allow a rebirthing of who I am, And new identity to be given, hope and restoration and forgiveness and 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 mercy to take hold of my life. My life then begins to reveal and speak of this work of Jesus. The symbol is a statement that death has been put to death. Our lives are to be lives about life, not about death. We're to witness And show that life is found in abundance. It is to be lived with all joy in Jesus. That there is ultimate hope. Death has been put to death. No longer does it hold its status as the finality of life. But there is hope. There is hope in Jesus. There is hope that goes beyond any experience of life on this earth. This is the symbol of the resurrection. And it's a symbol intended to cross every barrier that our world would hold. Friends, you and I, we are called to be the symbol, the evidence, the proof, the walking, talking example of the resurrection of Jesus. His presence here among this world. Are you experiencing this kind of truth? We can only become this if we allow this resurrection to take hold of us, it's not just a symbol for others that they would know, like a cross worn around our necks or or, or a practice that is done so that others would know. This symbol is not just about speaking to others. It's about us receiving this kind of joy, us receiving this kind of hope. The resurrection of Jesus is to change me first and then I would become that symbol evidence and seen and known of the work of Jesus as my life is changed. So is the power of the resurrection touching your life? Is it changing your thoughts as you walk and live through your life? Is it changing your perspectives? Because it's not an intention to mark me externally, but this symbol is a life renewed internally from the inside out transformed and made whole. Friends, you and I, we, God's church, we are to be the symbol and the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. He hasn't abandoned and left and no longer sought to reveal himself in this world, No, he reveals himself through you. The degree to which you and I allow ourselves to die and be made whole and be resurrected afresh and in a new way in Jesus, we allow the degree to which Jesus is seen in this world. We become the evidence to his work in this world. We were called to live for more than selfishness and self-interest. We were called to live for more than greed, self-preservation, power, or wealth. We were called to live as symbols of a resurrection hope. So friends, may you, may I, may we his church, may we step in and become this symbol in all that God intended it to be. This is the hope our world is searching for this Easter. As we hear of wars and hurts and dysfunction and pain and brokenness, as we carry the burden of poor health for ourselves or others, as we hear of relational breakdown, of, of dysfunction within people's lives, this is the hope that our world is searching for. That there is ultimate hope through Jesus. That death is not the final answer, but in the resurrection of Jesus, there is hope beyond the grave. And the symbol of this hope is you and I. Friends, may we live it. May we become it. May we step into it. May you and I experience all that this is meant to be for us. And may we truly embody the presence of Jesus in this world so that all may see and all may experience across culture, language, economic barriers or anything else that all may know the work of Jesus in this world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the power in your name. This impossible story of a resurrected life revealed, made known in you, Jesus. And as we sit in your presence today, we are reminded that this is not just a story outside of us. A story that we might ascribe to, believe and and. And declare externally, but this is a story which is to take hold within us. This is a story, this is a truth, this is a reality which is meant to reform and change who we are. That there is ultimate hope in you, Jesus. That death is not the final word. That you have more to say. That every tear will ultimately be wiped away that every hurt will ultimately be answered in you, Jesus. This truth is to reform us, to give us hope, to lead us and to guide us in our lives. And then Jesus, in turn, we are to be your presence, your symbol, a life changed, which speaks of your profound work in this world. So Lord, for your church here in New Hope, for your church around the world. May your disciples be all that you have called us to be. May we be made whole. May we speak of the profound love and grace, the forgiveness that we have received. And may we pass that on. May your resurrection not just be heard of, but experienced and received. May hope be given in abundance this year, Lord Jesus. May all see. May all know, may all experience a hope beyond measure, a hope beyond reason, as they experience you, Jesus, and receive your love for them. But God, it's a joy to be your church. It's a joy to be the recipients of this gift, a gift given for all. So mould us, shape us, make us more like you this week, this month, this year use us, Lord God, to speak and to show your ways to this world. We pray this in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, which conquered death. In the name of Jesus, which continues on today. In the name of Jesus, which offers all hope. We come to you, we worship you, and we honour you now.